Yeah, you can't really like walk up and just go like, to a woman. That's gonna be real creepy. Just squinty eyes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I actually started laughing I at my desk, tell. and then you realize that you're at work and no one else can hear what you just heard, so you're just the crazy ah, person laughing. Chinese secret. <laughs> It's like the Bisto advert, you know, I just get that, that kind of wafty lines. It just carries me along. Vagina powerful enough to levitate a doctor. Oh my. That's what someone said about podcasting too. He's like, of course there's a lot of podcasters in the Midwest. What else do you do for six months out of the year? You can't be outside. Whistling, podcasting, incest. That's about it. it whoa, 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 whoa. What doing Cornwall. I thought right. I, I was gonna say I thought that was a, a Cornwall thing, the incest. It, it's an everywhere thing. <laughs> I am totally cool with incest. You didn't record that, did you? <laughs> I don't know. So Dan, when are you gonna get a nice wife? Oh fuck no. Probably never. I was gonna say he's gotta start dating first, right? <laughs> no, that's how we do it in Cornwall. Just go and grab a wife. Oh my You're my wife now. Just grab them <laughs> and pull them into our shed. I was just going to say, I married um, Isolde in Skyrim. I didn't go for Ayla. I just put on my amulet of Mara. That's what I should do, IRL. Put, put my amulet of Mara on. I think, go, yeah, you're interested. Like, I, I went for her. You're interested? Yeah. Uh, mm. I doubt that would work. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The chances are slim. You might find someone to get into that. London is such a massive place. If you go on, yeah. Go on like Craigslist. I'm sure if you just put an advert up there, someone will be into that sort of shit. Welcome to episode 22 of the Screams and Moans podcast, the podcast about movies and sex, but not together because that would be porn. This week, I have with me two of the guys from the Pile of Shame PC podcast. Hello, Ant. Hi there. Hi, Dan. Good evening. And uh, how are we doing tonight? Very well. Yeah, you know, mm. could be better. Could be worse. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're drinking and on the Screams and Moans podcast, so it it has to be all right. That's it. I mean, you currently join me. Yeah, I'm currently <laughs> decorating hell at the moment. Um, the fifth circle because I've been doing nothing else for the past two months. But apart from that, all is well. Oh, well, you've got a baby coming, right? This is most of the reason. It's the motivator, if anything else. I mean, yeah, I've been in the house for like ten years, but yeah, with the the nipper coming in seven weeks, oh fuck! It means that um yeah, it's really put the boot up my ass. So um I don't know. I'm in. I'm like some sort of strange man living in a dump at the moment. This this room has. I've got a ladder in the corner there. I have some coving in the other corner. I have a print of a large panda over here, and it's just I don't know. I have to step over several things to get in this room. It's like I'm some sort of weird hermit man living in my recording studio. <laughs> I thought that's how most podcasters live. <laughs> or a basement. Yeah, one of the two. <laughs> Speaking of other podcasters, how is your week going, Dan? 
Oh, it's okay. Uh, getting along fine. I've had a couple of days off work, so uh, this is just the start of almost two weeks off. So uh, it's what? nice to have the time off, but I've, I've become a bit of a well, a tramp, I suppose. I haven't washed, I haven't shaved. <laughs> when was the last time you left the house, Dan? I, I did leave the house yesterday. Did you? Uh, I, was yeah, it for I saw. Well, I did buy some beer in the, in the end. I bought lots of beer. I saw Matt and Elaine. So uh, Matt, one of the other co-hosts on the uh, Heart of Shame podcast show, he uh, couldn't make it tonight, unfortunately. But I saw him. He was down in London Friday. And I saw him and his wife yesterday. And we had a few beers, played some games. So that was good. Uh, that that was the first time uh, I'd left the house since Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> Do you not kind of go like stir? I kind of go a bit mad if I don't. Because, I mean, before, you know, I got married and all that. I used to spend days where I wouldn't talk to another human being and maybe, I don't know, sort of via like Skype or whatever, sort of playing computer games. But I'd spend like yeah. two or three days not actually talking to another person. Do you sort of I, kind of get like weird sort of cabin fever at that point? Or is it just me? I, I, am, I am totally cool with it. I'm happy not to talk to anyone. <laughs> Embrace days in a row. the cabin fever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, if it gets bad, yeah, I'll go out and I'll you know, cross the street, go to the offie and buy some beer, and that's that's enough for me. <laughs> but no, I'm fine being for inside. <laughs> yeah. Well, getting out and getting social, at least, it sounds like yesterday, so that sounds like fun. Yeah. Hmm. It was, what event was it? It was the um, NVIDIA's Game 24 hmm. event, wasn't it? Um, NVIDIA being sort of like a PC graphics card manufacturer. Um, I haven't yeah. heard of this event before. Has it been, has it been going for a few years, do you know, Dan? I hadn't either, and I don't know how long it's been going for myself. So I saw I a bit go. of the, um, they had like a Dota tournament uh, being streamed oh, from okay. there as well. So yeah. some of the really big teams, so I don't know if they're actually there sort of in person in London or because um, they, they must have flown them in because a lot of the Dota teams, Dota, by the way, listeners, is a game where people waste thousands of hours on. It's just, I don't know, I like it. I've only played about 800 hours. I'm still a noob, really. But um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did an ultra competitive, really hardcore game. And um, a lot of the teams are in like Sweden or China or um, anywhere in Europe. So they must have flown them over. Yeah, it looked like a good so. giggle over there anyway. What, did you, what yeah. did you do when at Game 24 then? What did you get up to? I did not go to Game 24. So um, that was on the Oh, Friday you just night. met in the pub. There. Yeah, ah. so we met in the pub on the next day, on the Saturday, uh, mm. just before they went back home. And, you know, we just sat there, had a few drinks, and we went to Loading Bar up in Stoke Newington, which is a video game-themed bar. Uh, it's got the... Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm like, I'm going to have to visit. <laughs> Some place to you visit. You should do. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just a pity it's no longer... They do, yeah. It's um, it's just a pity it's no longer in central London. They used to have one uh, in Soho, and now it's up in Stoke Newington, which is still relatively easy to get to, although it's uh, you you kind of have to go in and then back out on a different overground line okay. um yeah. but you know once you get over traveling to it it's great you know if you like video games if you like board games card games stuff like that the, the kind of thing that i like and all my friends like you'd love this place you know they were having a, a bit of a tournament with some some card game that i'd never heard of when we got there about two o'clock so we went downstairs they've got ps4 xbox one loads of old consoles as well you can just sit and play put games on whatever as you already mentioned that they've got some uh, video game themed cocktails all the names are really really clever so uh, we had uh, i had one called the elder scrolls Sky oh no the elder flower scrolls sky rum oh. so oh, nice. it was a uh, skyrim themed and it had rum and elder flower 
something in it which was delicious had a little minecraft shooter which was layered green brown and then a very pale blue at the bottom like earth like grass dirt and diamond Love it. so yeah it was brilliant you know someone has put a lot of thought and effort into it and that uh, is totally totally worth it it's um yeah if you do get a chance to go up to loading bar in stoke newington get get up there and uh spend some money on that oh yeah definitely i was gonna say it reminds me of we have uh a pub here in st paul that's called chatterbox mm. pub and theirs is kind of yes they have board games that you can pull out and grab to play and then they have a few um arcade games like the really old school uh nba jam and pac-man <laughs> and stuff yeah. like that um i'm sure they probably have um space invaders or something like that as well um but then they tend to kind of focus on the older consoles so like playing old nintendos and you're sitting there blowing in the cartridge trying to get that damn thing to fucking work or <laughs> or old sega genesis systems and stuff like that so that was fun but i didn't remember duck hunt being so hard the time i went right. there yeah no i suppose it's a lot harder now you've got like um flat screen monitors it used to be off like a crt tv didn't it at the time but yeah. Oh no no! I'm thinking of oh, I'm thinking of the other one. What's the the one where you've actually got to shoot? You have like a full on gun and you have to shoot at the TV. That's not yeah. Duck Hunt, is it? Yeah, that, that is, is Duck Hunt. Yeah. Oh. yeah, and it yeah. came you know bundled with Super Mario Brothers. So they must have it. Yeah, they must they must still use like the old CRT TVs, the big tube TVs, because um, the infrared coming out of the gun bounces off the, the sort of reflective screen and comes back to you, doesn't it? That's how they sort of calibrate it. Because with LCDs, uh -huh. they're perfectly flat, so you don't get the the different refraction from the. I'm sorry, you've fallen asleep. No, I <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> I always wondered how they calculated location. I know. And so it's, it's to do with them. Delay. It's bouncing. Yeah, if it's um, you get a different sort of delay from it bouncing. If it's like a different right. curvature, and I guess they get a refraction from it. Yeah. Oh, Very. Well, I've wasted my life. Yeah, no, sorry. I was going to say the science of video games, but yeah, no, that's why I was saying that. Um, that other bar sounds interesting because yeah, we have one mm. in St. Paul that's a lot of fun as well. And then. I think they have a few game theme themed stuff, but it's like good food and good drinks, and then you can sit and play video games and stuff like that. Though the Nintendo controllers actually hurt the corners of your hands a lot more as an adult <laughs> than when you yeah, were a kid. The NES, yeah, yeah. I suppose they would. Yeah, I remember uh, the 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 old Mega Drive, and oh, you call it the Genesis, isn't it? It's the Genesis in America, the big old yeah. round fucker with three buttons on it. Yeah, I remember that being a bit of a bugger in the time. But um, good old days. I don't know if you can ever go back, really. I find the biggest, so the biggest sort of uh, emergent gameplay, well, the biggest sort of new thing, um, it seems, at the sort of Google's XOXO conference that was held recently, is the um, the sort of physical board games, like the adult version board games that they have now. You have like weird ones where you have 12 Wiimotes, like hanging by their sort of, you know, the safety like cords from the ceiling. And you have to like like do a Tarzan from one to the other and you only have like half a second. Or like these weird sort of pseudo electronic games where you're kind of playing them on a computer, but it all revolves around, you know, 12 people in a room trying to find out which one is the spy or the witch or, you know, that sort of thing. That seems to be like the, the big sort of breakout of games of like 2014. It seems to be things are getting more social again, rather than, you know, it's all going sort of all online. But now it's getting a bit more, you know, get along with your fellow man and play some games. It's, I don't know, I support it, apart from there's only 12 people in Cornwall. So I'm, I'm kind of limited who I can play with. You and all your sisters slash cousins? It's all, yeah. It's all degrees <laughs> of separation. Yeah. yeah no. 
Megan, what have you been doing? I'm curious, my dear. Uh, well, actually, yesterday was uh, Talk Like a Pirate Day, so mm. yes. <laughs> you don't sound impressed there, Ant. <laughs> an entire day. I could do Talk Like a Pirate Hour, maybe, but an entire day if you're trying to talk with other, I don't know, system business analysts saying, Yar, your figures be wrong, you scurvy dog. I don't know. <laughs> I'd get a bit wearing, maybe. <laughs> Right, and then lots of jokes about where's ye booty and stuff like that. But okay. um, <laughs> I did actually have a debate with someone at work because a bunch of my friends and I get together and have a pirate party every year to celebrate and get dressed up as pirates. However, in sharing some of the previous photos uh, with one of my, I'll say trusted coworkers, I wouldn't show them to all my coworkers. <laughs> But he was like, I'm pretty sure that uh, pirates didn't dress in all leather. And I'm like, it's... <laughs> <laughs> it's not all leather, just the corset. And he's like, yeah, I don't think they wore that either. I was like, I'm sure they did, maybe. <laughs> on the high seas, these gimp pirates on their, <laughs> on their ships, these giant leather sails on the high seas. Gar, <laughs> bring out the gimp, but the gimp's asleep. Well, I guess you're going to have to wake him up now. That's right. <laughs> Kink on the high seas. Um, <laughs> they That's going to por- be a new musical. Well, yeah. they have made, you know, um, Pirates and Pirates to the porn. So oh. it's not as Got well. Got Bloom in. <laughs> they couldn't get him. No, they couldn't book oh. him. They have the one guy that's in all the porn, it seems like, though. But um, uh, I don't know that one. Yeah, No. Okay. I, don't, I might know his knob if if I saw his knob, I might know that, but I don't know if I'd know his face. No. Yeah, I don't know. They tried to make it more acting and stuff like that, but um, that yeah. doesn't really work in porn. Method acting, yeah, yeah. It's, I guess it's good. It's more made for women, I think. So, but they do mm. have a mad like <laughs> bitch slapping bitch fight with some spitting and some other stuff. So, oh, yeah. I don't know if I'd be into that. No. What's it called? It's a bad... <laughs> I don't know if I've been to that. Tell me that Pirates. so I can write it down and never watch it. Pirates. Pirates. Yeah. Original title yeah. as well. Yeah. Made a second there's one. a better, oh, there's a better pun name they could have come up with surely there for that instead of pirates. Oh, exactly. Mm. So if you would have named it, what would you have named it? There's always like the long dong silver in there. But I mean, it's, um, uh, I don't know, <laughs> puns like, um, I'm going to. Penetrate ye to the bottom of Davy Jones' locker. Something like that. <laughs> nah. Give me half an hour. I'll have a better name. Yeah, <laughs> sounds good. We'll warm you up first before. You know, typically mm. I don't get into the sex bit till the second half. So, All right. you know, we'll be good. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I had a, a good party with friends on Friday night. And uh, yeah, we also went to an improv comedy club with some coworkers before that. So I kind of had to transition slowly. Like I couldn't really dress full out pirate party when I was at work that same coworker was like why not why don't you look like a pirate today i'm like somehow i don't think that's work appropriate really it's all leather yeah <laughs> that's what I, tie leather bodies yeah so what was the improv club like then um i only know what they're like from you know like I don't, like 1980s sort of stuff you know they're sort of oh name a profession and they're sort of you know sort of ape it on the stage what are they, are they any good nowadays i thought it was pretty good i was a little skeptical uh, to yeah. be truthful and it was at a dinner theater so you had you know dinner and drinks and then the comedy show 
And I was also maybe skeptical because it was kind of ladies night out because there's not that many women that work in technology at my job. So um, (laughs) when, you know, we like to go out and have a little bit of fun, but I wasn't really sure, but they kind of do it more like that. Whose line is it anyway? Show. Oh, excellent. I used to watch a hell of, yeah, a load of that back in the day. Yeah. So, and then they'll base it off different things like they had where they would, you know, pick four different songs from the seventies or eighties. And then we'd have to, you know, get four different topics and each person would sing a different song based on that topic or a funny phrase based off something that the, you know, like it would be Michael Jackson's beat it, but it had to be a song about, I don't know. Masturbation. Yeah, exactly. Something like that. Well, not about, (laughs) that would be a perfect fit actually. Yes. But I think it was like Michael Jackson's beat it was the tune, but to a song about chicken wings or something, you know, so Mm, kind of improving. And then they do, you know, you, the kind of, I don't know if you guys get very much Jeff Foxworthy over there. I hope not. Um, But Uh, he does this. I think so. You might be a redneck if type skit. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah, if your gun rack has a gun rack or some shit like that. Yeah. Right. So they would take things like you might be a, and then whatever the crowd would say. So you might be a Minnesotan. You might be a, a stripper. Yeah. yeah, exactly. If, and then they would come up with witty things to say. Um, hmm. So yeah, it actually wasn't too bad. It was it was a good time. I definitely take take people there it's definitely something you'd want to go as like a big group and kind of have fun shouting things to the people doing the improv so yeah just shout at them just bully them off stage did anyone corpse (laughs) on stage i know if i went up there i would corpse in about the first two minutes and then i'd be gone did anyone (laughs) just really lose it and go oh and freeze no 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 one did and i was gonna say speaking of that though they do they did have two people come up on stage and do the where they're telling a story but the people are their arms or whatever oh yeah but they like loop their arms around the back so the other person is controlling yeah i used to yeah used to do it on yeah whose line is it anyway so you had like a weird version we had um clive anderson a little bald fellow hosting ours but you had um is it drew carey yeah it was quite good. I mean, I recently watched after, you know, Robin Williams popped his clocks. Um, he was actually on an episode of Whose Line Is It Anyway? It was pretty good on there. You should uh, yeah, go back and watch it. It's pretty good. I didn't know that. I used to watch mm-hmm. that show quite a bit as well. So He was, you know, at the time off his tits on painkillers and whatever, I don't know, drug he was on at the time. But um, he was off it. I mean, I think it was proper coked up on there. But I mean, oh, it made him snappy at least anyway. <laughs> well, I was going to say... For everything. At the end of the show, they were talking about they actually do improv classes and things like that. And I was like, that would actually be probably pretty good for, you know, a number of things to actually learn how to think on your feet a little more, you know? Yeah. Just go right at it. Speaking of going right at it, maybe we could get to the movie. For those of you who haven't seen Ink, it's definitely, well, it was a low budget movie. It's not a commercialized, you know, widely watched or uh, advertised film. Uh, But it kind of intertwines two stories, the tale of a successful businessman named John and, you know, his kind of stress and struggles and what he's going through in his life. And they do kind of flashback at some points showing, you know, different events that have impacted his life and kind of made him who he is today. 
But then it both kind of connects and intertwines with the main story, which is that his daughter, Emma, is taken into this kind of parallel universe um, and this battle between the good, so the storytellers, those who bring us our good dreams, and the incubus, who are supposedly those that bring us our nightmares. Um, And they're battling for this little girl who has been taken by the character Ink which the movie is named after, to be sacrificed for a life of kind of emotionless unbeing as an incubus. Uh, I don't know if you guys have anything to kind of add to that bit of it. Dan, why don't you take a line for a spin? Because I've uh, talked far too much already. Okay, yeah. Uh, I mean, that synopsis sounds pretty much exactly right, Megan. I um, The link that you gave me didn't work, Anne. <laughs> So, of course, I didn't have very much time. I only got around to watching the film today, and the, the link you gave me didn't work. So uh, link for I rented it off iTunes. Yeah. Oh. So I rented it off iTunes in the end, you know, thinking I've got, I've got to get this movie watched. And I realized that I was kind of running out of time. So I had to skip some bits, maybe <laughs> a little bit in the middle. You know, I watched the first 20 or so minutes, and I kind of skip through and then i watch the last 20 minutes or so so i don't really know what goes on in the middle (laughs) so we'll be filling in some gaps for you then (laughs) yes please do um but what can i say about this film it's certainly unique it's 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 it's, uh, unique as uh, the matrix was when it came out in the sense that you'd never really seen anything like that before so of course the film starts with the the businessman John and uh, you see he he's in a car crash there and then it cuts to it's kind of filmed in a strange dreamy state you do you do kind of wonder what's going on because of the way it's been filmed and the colors and things like that then you see at nighttime people go to sleep and sort of fairly average looking citizen type people come and they put their hands on the sleeping people's foreheads and give them good dreams you know people winning the lottery or seeing deceased parents or something all all very positive things and then it cuts and you see and, you know, you know when the, the baddies are the baddies because it introduces them with darkness and, you know, they, they come into the people's rooms and touch their foreheads and give them obviously nightmares. So you see the context straight away. Uh, then the, the little girl who's, uh, she's got a, quite a vivid imagination. You know, you see her playing with her dad and she's up playing with the toys and the little the woman who's giving her dreams is uh, kind of watching her play with her toys in her bedroom when she's supposed to be asleep she goes back to sleep and then the guy ink he comes in and kidnaps her and uh, the 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 storytellers the people who give good dreams they try and fight him off they try and protect the little girl but they they can't do that he he makes his way off and um you realize that the the storytellers are a, a sort of a group of people you know a cabal they all work together they know they know each other, you know, they, they are all working towards the same ends. Yeah. Then some shit happens in the middle that I had to skip, <laughs> you know. So, um, but what can I say about the film? I'll get onto the end if, if I get a chance to speak in a minute. But for a film that has action scenes and it's got very well choreographed, you know, Matrix-like action fighting scenes in it, both early on and towards the end, it does feel like a very, very slowly paced film. Everything is very deliberate. You're given the time to figure out what's going on. Well, I was going to say, I definitely think this is a film where every piece of it, and I think this might be why I actually do really respect and enjoy the film, is that everything that's there, even some of the smaller things, which you start to notice after you've watched it more than once, 
everything kind of has a purpose and tells you a little bit more of the story. Um, because, yeah, it took me a bit, especially the first time watching it, to really figure out what completely was going on. And like I said, I mean, when you yeah. talked about the scene where Emma is taken from her home, yeah, that was definitely like a very intense scene. And you kind of see mm. that, you know, it's maybe I do really enjoy the film. I think maybe the theme is a little bit played heavy, but kind of that battle between good and evil, you know, starts to build right from that point you know because at first they're just kind of showing you okay these are the storytellers and this is what gives you good dreams and like you said there's all of a sudden dark shadows and dark music i do like the soundtrack of this film as well Mm. um but so then you kind of see that now that's what causes people nightmares where the woman's drowning or you know people are talking about you kind of playing off your paranoia and things like that. But then they kind of both collide at various points throughout this film. But, um, you know, right from the start, it's the storytellers trying to work together. And through this crazy <laughs> magical drum, they they miss catching mm. ink. But, um, yeah, Ant, what did you think of that scene? So I thought it was fantastic. I mean, the um, the use of did you know it's actually a Zippo lighter that you know when you open it, I recognise that sound. Yeah, just when you open it, it goes clink. That is the sound yeah. it makes when the um, the the good guys, if you will, sort of pop into existence and they could sort of jump around, very yeah. Matrix like. And um, it's weird. It, the film in overall reminds me of like a Terry Gilliam production. You know, similar to say Twelve Monkeys. It's like an a real exercise in repconning the world around you, i.e. that we all believe that we are sort of, you know, the masters of our own fate going around doing our own business. However, there are all these other powers at play, the powers of good and evil, the succubus and the, um, what are they called? The, the, the light fellows. I can't remember what they're called. Storytellers. The storytellers at work sort of behind you and, um, all this stuff is going on and you never see it. And, um, even you can sort of see just the, the symbolism. If you, sort of get to the end of the film, you can actually already see that it is more like a fight of emotions where you have the um, John, is called, um, with him just being, I don't know, a bit of a dick from the start. You can see how he has trouble, you know, at the start really just adapting and starting to play and sort of being imaginative with his daughter. Mm. And it doesn't really come off. And you can see these struggles already. And I think the the use of imagery just with the succubus, with the, the black and white sort of like horrific screens over their face. That was really... creepy. <laughs> Really well done for the lack of budget this film got. I mean, it never even actually saw a cinema release, believe it or not, this film. It was only um, sort of just released after the fact. But it's um, a really good well, sort of use of effect and lighting on a low budget, just in really making a sort of creating a, a whole sort of mood, you know, around it. But no, the scene itself, um, I quite like that you could sort of imagine the, the sort of drums and then tapping the drums. It's almost like a phone, isn't it? You know, sort of tapping into another world and dialing up a phone so they can jump into you know, the space between. But um, I thought it was really good as sort of a whole feat of directing. I think it's such a vision that he's put on it already. It's, it does put the film in good stead for, as Dan missed, possibly rightly sort of a bit of a dreary sort of midsection of the film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, I feel like they did try to tie those two worlds together and kind of show you how, I don't know that I want to call it the imaginary world, but it is kind of like a, a parallel Sub-world. universe. Yeah. Like an underworld. 
and it is it's um you may think you're the master of your fate but at all times there is this battle going on underneath and are you really controlling yourself or is it the the doings of these minions in this underworld it feels very much like that yeah and speaking of that i think it's probably a good point after emma gets kidnapped the storytellers um reach out to a character named jacob who is known as a pathfinder and see the guy with the tape on his eyes yes that's him yeah yeah i saw him yeah okay <laughs> yeah i was gonna say let me know where you've left off <laughs> <No>. <laughs> bang that's it saw him yeah. um but you know so you're introduced to this character who seems a little bit crazy a little bit nonsense but at the same time he has this strange calm you know wisdom about him throughout various parts in the film and while he is blind uh it's you know kind of you've heard about you know them the senses being heightened well his is that he can hear the beat of the universe and he always walks around just going one two three four one two three four and he is the one who needs to come in and can actually affect physically the what we would call the real world um not the sub world so that's kind of where he comes in as needed in the movie is because you know the storytellers are talking to him and they're like i don't know what this why we were put in touch with this dude like he's fucking useless he talks bullshit i don't know what he's fucking doing he's fucking weird he talks to himself uh he talks to the ground uh, he can't even see But then, you know, it's his job to kind of come in and interrupt the flow, the flow of the universe, and help set some of the events that can save Emma uh, later in the film. Hmm. It's like, um, so there is the underworld where the storytellers live, and then there's the under-underworld, you know, a place that only um, the Pathfinder can see. It seems that it's, um, it's a world that even they don't know that is around. And he has, he is, he can literally read the matrix off that computer screen. And um, it's almost, yeah, he does manipulate chaos theory and saying, you've heard that a, a butterfly beating its wings can cause a storm somewhere else, you know. And um, it's pretty much that where he can sort of influence, he can like put one tiny thing, like, I don't know, um, ring the bell on someone's bike. And then that makes a car swerve and that makes someone do something else. And then in the end, it causes a massive car crash. And he literally can, yeah, as you say, read the universe itself. And he's even sort of off, just sort of, off the beaten track for even these storytellers and it seems i mean rather ironic that he is blind because i mean you know it's symbolic that oh he is blind but he he's the only one who can really see what's going on man yeah that sort of thing yeah they definitely try to get deep with that which i liked i mean it's a little bit you know yeah i don't think yeah if he was like a just a full-on superhero he could see he could also fly and kick ass i think it would um it take away from the film it seems good that everyone kind of has their place and has their little their bit they, they can do and uh, yeah, I, don't, I think it was a really good character. And he was very abrasive. It did sort of really set up that he was even quite annoying and abrasive to the viewers themselves for oh. a bit until, you know, he sort of softened throughout the film and you could, you sort of got a look into his world. You know, you could actually see what he's seeing almost. And you can see that he's not abrasive. He's just, you know, on a different level. Yeah, that he's definitely, you know, and that I think is kind of epitomized in the scene where he does cause the car crash. So. I mean, I'll set it up a little bit. Before that, he asked the storytellers to take him to see Emma because when she was kidnapped in her dream state, 
uh, it put her into a coma in the actual living world. And she's in a hospital and he wants to see what's going on. And so he has to hear and, you know, he's like, well, there's something wrong. Where are her parents? What? Why doesn't she have parents? And from that point, you know, he's like, we, we need to find her father. She needs her father. And so that's where it kind of comes in that you don't know how, but you know that at some point these two characters need to reunite and that different life events have happened that have separated them and that actually her father doesn't have a place in her life right now. And maybe that's where the, uh, the comments about people with daddy issues come in. (laughs) But um, yeah, what I was going to say though is so then you see them in a busy city and I kind of like that, you know, where they change up the speed and they do a little stuff and you, they tried to kind of emulate how the world just keeps running and has its own different paths that it's going along. And, you know, he's still just one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. And the storyteller who's with him is just frustrated. And, you know, the viewer's a little frustrated because you're like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. Like, what are they doing? Uh, you, you see John that he's going through his days, you know, leaving work and things like that. But Jacob, the pathfinder is like, something's got to stop the flow. And, you know, she's getting upset with him. Like, why do you just keep counting? You're wasting our fucking time. You're not doing anything to save her. You're fucking worthless. You talk bullshit. I have no fucking clue what you're doing. And all of a sudden you see him do this kind of elegant dance through the streets and you know he's like I'm looking for chains I'm I'm looking for chains and she's like or links and she's like what he's like yeah you know she's like like a chain he's like exactly hello ding 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 fucking wake up you know because he already feels and sees all of these things that none of the rest of us or them are really privy to And that's where you can see that, you know, he steps in and orchestrates the smallest of little things. You know, someone drops a piece of paper, which, you know, then does something else and a piece of wind blows. And then someone knocks into someone and knocks boxes over, which causes someone to step to the side, which causes this chain of events to happen, which eventually causes what would be an uneventful drive for John Holm into a car crash which knocks him out and enables them to kind of pull in and at that point you see that the incubus that is following him this whole time is trying to wake him up he's like no we need you no you're you know he's the one who's kind of feeding john a lot of the thoughts that he's having about himself and kind of trying to push him along the path that they feel would be beneficial to them and to him so It does seem strange. It's, um, yeah, again, the whole underworld, you aren't really sort of responsible for feeling bad. It's this um, incubi that you can't see that is ne- putting this negativity into you. And it's, um, it is almost like a war. And I think um, you do start seeing, at the same sort of time the film, you start to see some sort of human signs from ink as well. And you start to see some sort of emotion. He's not just a, a giant-nosed, cape-wearing fucker sort of kidnapper going through and taking something. He actually Super starts, creeper, you... yeah you get to see some sort of insight into him. And then, I don't know, I think it's um, it's really clever. It seems rather attractive, a sort of theory, if any. That's what it reminds me of, like, Terry Gilliam, that it's all retconned and it all makes kind of sense that these 
incubuses are there, sort of putting bad feelings in people's head. It's um, it does remind me of um cognitive behavioral therapy, of which I know a wee bit. Um, just the fact that it is, it's about finding. It's sort of similar to the um, Pathfinder, like finding the links, finding the chains, and it is breaking the pattern. You have to sort of somehow try and disrupt this pattern if you're going to stop these bad feelings from entering your head. And that sort of struck home for me because, you know, I've been a, a patient of CBT, not cock and bull torture, of cognitive behavioral <laughs> therapy in the you past. You know me so well. That's right where I'm going, yeah. <laughs> but um, it reminded me of that. It does seem, yeah, really clever, really well thought out. Yeah. And, um, yeah, then, you know, you do kind of see that this is going to be the means because obviously he needs to go to the hospital then at that point. And yeah. you are. At that point, I mean, it's a little predictable. Um, but... Then you've also got, you know, the side story still with Ink and this other world. Like you said, you're starting to get to see a little bit more of him and a little bit more of one of the storytellers that came in to kind of interact with both Ink and Emma. You know, she tries to tell her that she's strong, that she's a lioness, you know, and Ink's like, shut the fuck up, like, quit feeding her that shit. But at the same time, he's searching out some keys because the key he was given to come into the assembly, which is where he's going to turn Emma over in exchange for what he thinks will be, you know, this wonderful life-changing conversion. Um, he's got to seek out some different keys. So we meet a few interesting individuals, and you do kind of see the human side of Ink a little bit throughout that because, you know, when the first guy is kind of super creepy and he wants her to trade the storyteller for this key because she's so pretty, I could take care of her, you know, and um, but he doesn't let that happen. And then again, the second individual, which I don't know that I liked her as much. She was just kind of annoying uh, and over the top. But um, the woman who... You know, in this parallel world, too, you're seeing how people's emotions and thoughts about themselves are amplified in this sub-world. You know, she's like, everyone looks at me and thinks I'm beautiful, and everyone's talking about me, and it's important that everyone is talking about me. And, you know, you could see that there's probably people you may know, even, that have these thoughts about themselves. And, you know, she doesn't want anything to do with the storyteller because she's beautiful. But um, she tries to make her feel insecure by saying how horribly gross she is and I don't want to have anything to do with her. But yet the exchange for the key is that she wants to cut off all of her beautiful hair. And the storyteller kind of being the calm, steadfast hero, just, you know, I don't have anything to fear. That's fine. She can have my hair. Even though, you know, you can tell that it emotionally and visually upsets her. And at that point you can see and... And Ink does kind of step in and say, all right, well, that's enough. We're done. You've got your hair. Now, you know, give me my key so I can get to the assembly. And, you know, you can also see throughout how it's impacting Emma as well and her interacting with them and even the storyteller trying to make you question, you know, asking Emma, you know, well, do you think Ink is a horrible person? Do you think he's a bad person? Because I don't, you know, I just think he's... Um, basically human, you know. So there was a lot of different themes going on throughout this movie. Mm, a lot of issues. Dan, have you seen up to this part, or were you in the pub at this point? Or 
No, at this point I was uh, skipping forward so I could catch up to (laughs) be in time for you two. So I I, I missed that bit. Although, what crossed my mind uh, while I was listening to you two is that there are some commentaries on, you know, looks and beauty and superficiality. John, the successful businessman, when you see him preparing for work, he's uh, he goes to a lot of effort. He's got his, um, you know, when he's sh- when he's shaving, he's doing it perfectly, perfectly trimming that bit around his beard, and then he trims the beard itself. And he's, uh, you know, he spends a lot of obviously puts a lot of time and effort into his appearance. You know, he's clipping his nose hairs and everything like that, checking himself in the mirror. And uh, Ink, meanwhile, which we have to mention, is. A horribly ugly person who has the most gigantic nose I've ever seen. You know, it's, this isn't <laughs> Serrano de Bergerac. It's like, <laughs> it's like somebody has put a a marrow on his face. It's huge, and he's just a hideous, hideous person, which you don't see early on, but you do start because he's he's wearing a, like a hood and a he's like a, he's wearing a big black ghillie suit. Is what he's what he wears. So you can't really see his face much, but you start to see more and more of it towards the end. And, you know, there are some, you can see the distinction between the two entities there. Yeah, I, I just think that's one more commentary. You know, I mean, any film, any film in an hour and 40 minutes, you can say lots of different things with two interlocking stories and other commentaries about, you know, the blind guy. And, but I think that that looks thing, mm-hmm. of course, is quite important. Yeah. Which... What do you think about that, Ant? I think it's also compounded, you know, um, where the storyteller has to have her hair cut off, you know, sort of hair being yeah, very yeah. symbolic of a woman's beauty. And as well with yeah. the really precious, pretentious, the sort of self-absorbed um, entity at that time as well, sort of making her cut her hair off. You know, hair is very much the beauty of yeah. a lady, or, you know, sy- symbolically, if you will. And, um, yeah, her just cutting her hair off means it's her sort of cropping herself. But it still means... Um, I don't know, she's of the, the higher mind that, you know, I don't know, beauty's within, well, and uh, other things need to be done. We need to get this key to get through. Yes. But it's, um, I know what you're saying. It does um, seem to be a theme throughout the film, just aesthetics. And um, uh, yeah, it's good. Yeah, like you said, it, it definitely is kind of, as a lot of things, slowly um, that beauty theme has kind of unveiled itself in this in this film. And, you know, once you feel like you're starting to get the pieces where almost everything is revealed and you're starting to have some hints yeah. about what's going on uh, is where it really starts to come into the last culminating scenes in the movie where, you know, at this point, John's in the hospital. He's woken up. Um, the nurse is letting him know, you know, you've been in a car accident. And, of course, he asks where he is and... It just happens to be the same hospital <laughs> where his daughter is laying in a coma. And at that same time, Ink now has both keys. He's going to, you know, play his magical drum and pop into, yeah, that dimly lit, very creepy world where he's meeting with the rest of the Incubus and, you know, kneels down to basically present them with the prize, which is Emma, but, you know, they want to know why the fuck he brought a storyteller as well. And he's like, well, she's just a bonus. She's just a bonus. And, um, you know, so at this point, things aren't looking very good for Emma and the storyteller. And, you know, they're being walked to this assembly and Emma's placed in the middle as a sacrifice for Ink. And 
it's looking like things aren't um they're not going to make it in time really because at the same time Emma's dad John in the real world he's still in bed you know he's still in bed and there's nothing they can really do to get him up this is kind of the part where I don't know about you guys, but I was trying to understand, you know, is it bringing back our choice of free will along with all of the things that influence us? Because he's, you know, laying there and they're like, come on, come on, you need to get up like, you you know, and you need to realize what's going on here. And he kind of has to make that choice to get out of bed and start walking down the hallway to try to find Emma. And so I don't know what you guys' take is on at least kind of up to this point in that theme. It's getting kind of hard at this point to not kind of spoil the film. Yeah. I think you know, <laughs> I at this know. point it's um, really hard. We're at, really we're at the hard. crux now where it's, you know, we're sort of almost there where it's like, well, I don't know. What should I do? Should I, um, should I blow it out there? Or I don't know. It's yeah. It's the struggle where in a similar vein, you know, um, John is struggling to get out of bed. He's in some sort of inner turmoil. What should he do? And it is kind of similar to Ink's plight as well. And um, what should he do at this at the assembly? Should he really, you know, sort of give it all up? And it is about the the inner turmoil of both characters and the sort of negativity. Will Will John let the negativity win and just, from his point of view, actively do nothing and just be a bit of a shit and turn on the hospital bed TV and you know ignore his daughter? Or should he get up and sort of go and see her? You know, it's um. It's like that, but as well, we've seen enough of Ink himself that he has the turmoil, you know, sort of through the storyteller being with him. She is like, um, almost like an effigy for pain and for suffering because she has lots of, you know, nasty things happen to her throughout the film. And it's only because Ink seems hard enough. He does seem like a, um, almost, you know, like a depressed person where it's, um, they have their own shell up, they have their own barrier up. So you can do nasty things to Ink and he's not particularly going to react. But the, um, the storyteller, is a fantastic effigy where bad things happen to her and that will make Ink feel bad. And you can sort of see the turmoil in both the, the sort of duality of turmoils between both Ink and John at the same time. Well, exactly. And it's kind of where the struggles come to a head uh, in both cases, in both of these stories. And, you know, ultimately seeing how their choices impact their lives and the lives of others as well. And without spoiling it, I think I'm going to have to leave it there (laughs) because I do feel like this is a film where, yeah, I don't really want to spoil the ending. Um, Some people may already have some inklings about what's going on, but um, yeah, it is a good film. And I did uh, like that you guys were up for covering it because, uh, well, it's not as well known. It is kind of turned into one of my favorite films, I think. So uh, don't let that impact what you guys think, but um, I guess I'll start with Dan, but what was you guys' initial reactions to the film and how did you feel about it? Yeah, I have to say, I mean, it's on a critical note. I have to say that I found the pacing very slow. I think they could have, I personally would have enjoyed it more if it had been faster. I don't want to criticize it because I have a feeling it was done deliberately. It is very deliberate, that slow, monotonous but at the same time, kind of relentless and inevitable pace. You know, it kind of, it plods along and the sense of plodding along like you're going on a journey is quite deliberate. So I hate to have to say that I disliked that because I, as I said, I know of its deliberateness, but that that was my first impression. Once, you know, the action scenes well choreographed, you know, if you like the sort of Matrix fighting scenes, 
you will like these fighting scenes. I especially love the way that when they fight and if they break something, it comes back together so that the real that's world is not effect. spoiled. I think that's a yes. brilliant. You know, like when she goes through the window and it comes back together. That's brilliant. Yeah. So that's, you know, it's got some nice effects. It's got some nice touches, like the not faceless, but the sort of non-human faces of the Incubus. It's like a screen. They do take them off, but that screen rather than a real face is really spooky and quite frightening. So again, you can see the difference between good and bad. Uh, and they're good people. Like, they're really very ordinary people, aren't they? Just wearing everyday clothes. They look ordinary. They're not superhero-like until they fight. So, you know, a n- nice dichotomy between good and bad. Ink, I suppose, I don't know if you'd call him an antagonist or a protagonist. I don't, it's hard to tell. He goes on, a, you go on his journey with him and you see how he changes throughout the film. It's kind of telling but, his story, yeah. Yeah, it's telling his story. Uh, more from a neutral point of view than him being a baddie. But I would recommend it. If you can get hold of it, I would have to say that I think, you know, internet providers who offer films for rent really need to lower their prices because that <laughs> I would agree. Just eliminate piracy. I mean, £3.50 for two hours. Come on, you know, bring it down to one or two pounds because I pay seven pounds a month for Netflix. So, you know, bring those prices down and I will spend, relatively speaking, more money to, uh, you know, iTunes and Google Play. If you can get hold of it, watch it. It's different. It's unique. It's it's in the same way that The Matrix was so different when that came out. Ink is, you know, just stands on its own, on its side. So definitely worth a watch. Yeah. Thanks. Very nice. So, so what did you think, Ant? I thought, yeah, very similar to Dan. I think it could have lost 20 minutes in the middle. Could have been snipped out, I think. But um, yeah, ultimately a good film. I did enjoy it. I... I it, as I said before, several times before, it really reminds me of a Terry Gilliam film about how there are all these other just forces at work. You have the underworld, and then there's the under underworld, even that only one person can see. And it's um, I don't know. I think it's very good on the budget they had. I think it's a really well thought out and represented vision of a person's inner turmoil, you know, and how things can affect you in a way. I do very well. I like it. I'd probably give it a seven or an eight out of ten. Definitely a um, I don't even know if I'd call it like a Sunday afternoon sort of film. It's a bit dark for that. You know, it's a bit long mm. and drawn out for that. Maybe yeah. a Saturday night film rather than a Sunday afternoon film, yeah. but it's still good. I mean, I'd throw it a seven, maybe an eight out of ten. I thought it was very good. And um, what it does with the budget it has at hand is um, very clever and way more thought out than a lot of other sort of more extensively produced films. Yeah, very good. Yeah. I was going to say, I think that's the biggest thing that I noticed for me is for the budget that they had, the film they put out, I thought was was quite good compared to a lot, lot of the money, other... didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. So, yeah, good. And I guess the only other thing um, I was thinking about as I was going through it and thinking about with, you know, having you guys on the show and being kind of a PC gaming podcast is, do you think that Inc., in a, in a way, with the battle between good and evil and the multiple, you know, kind of worlds and subworlds. Do you think it would make a good basis for a video game? If it were in like a Telltale, you know, they've done like the Walking Dead video game and um, The Wolf Among Us is another one. It's like a story-driven game where you, well, The Wolf Among Us, you're a detective and it's pretty much just sort of, you can click and walk around a bit and it's like a point-and-click adventure, but it's more on the emotional side of things. It's like decisions, should you save this person who's being eaten by a zombie or should you try and save that person over there? And it's how the story runs through. You only have like a minimum interaction, well, sort of <sighs> impact on the story. It just kind of goes on regardless, but you can tailor it to yourself. If it were like that, I think it'd be quite good. I think as a 
you know, platformer running your ink sort of like Mario fucking jumping around might not be <laughs> quite up no. there. But I think it's maybe like a story-driven game similar to what Telltale produced. So I think that would be good, yeah. Do you have any opinions on that, Dan? Yes, I do. I think the only way to make a decent game out of it would be exactly what Ant said. Uh, I am in, I'm against video games or films and films of video games more or less on principle because you know if we, <laughs> if we look at the basis uh, or if we look at the evidence there's never been a good one of the other or and never been a good other of the one uh so i would i would be against it on principle because it's a film that i did like <laughs> and i would hate to see that be butchered and you know video games butcher films they're based on and films butcher video games they're based on so keep them separate I can agree with that, definitely. Um, yeah, well, and now that I think we're um, we're getting all warmed up, uh, I think we're going to take a little break and then come back for the second half. time to get to the sexy stuff i know i've listened to numerous episodes of the pile of shame so i think uh i'm definitely looking forward to what dan has to say in this half of the show (laughs) oh no oh no i mean yeah if you guys haven't you should uh definitely i mean there's a lot of good chat about gaming so if you're into different video games especially pc games you should have a listen but um yeah, Dan also tends to say some uh, interesting things when it comes to sex. So. You have to get him started off. Out. That's My it. Mouth yeah, starts we just moving to... before I think. I always try. I'm like a jumping off point for Dan. I just say, oh, what was the worst bath you've ever had? And then off Dan goes and you set him off. Yeah. And that's it. It's like a wind-up toy. Yeah. And uh, I know we talked a little bit before um, the show, <laughs> kind of off the, off the record as well, but... Um, yeah, you know, then you bring up, you know, different, um, what was it, cancer treating drugs, and we got in, you guys got into vaginas, and... <laughs> when I can. Yeah. No, I think it was in our last show, um, we are talking about, well, Dan was talking about um, the new research, wasn't it, Dan, where the, the newest sort of antibiotics that can possibly okay. reduce cancer Lactosin. could maybe, where could be, where, where could well, they be found Cancer, sorry, Anne. It's uh, just an antibiotic uh, in its own right. But of course, ah, yes. then Matt went on to say if they can find antibiotics inside the human vagina, possibly they could find a cure for cancer That's on his where penis. I got it. Oh my you God. never know. It's by definition impossible to prove a negative. So we couldn't say that it's definitely not there. Mm. So. Probably say we'd need a bigger sample. Thank you, Matt. <laughs> That's right. That's what happens when you don't come on the show. You're not here to defend yes. yourself. <laughs> Oh, so, um, but yeah, I thought we'd get a little creative this week. And uh, the question that we put out there for listeners was, if you had to die a sex-related death, 
what would it be? So yeah, I guess uh, since we've been talking about it, I'm going to go to Dan first with this one. Okay, so my sex-related death, is, is that what you're asking me? Or Yeah. Yes, okay. Um, well, I suppose I'll just blurt it out. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Futurama. I'm sure I might have mentioned this before. <laughs> but if you have seen the episodes, uh, episode one of season two is called Amazon Women in the Mood. And they, they, they go snoo, to snoo. a planet. Snoo, snoo, yes. They go to a planet full of very large, big, butch, strong. Amazon sort, women, yeah. You know, women who, who haven't had sex in quite a long time. And uh, for those of you who have seen the episodes, the, the men die of snoo through crushed pelvises. And I thought this was brilliant. So my preferred means of death would be suffering massive internal hemorrhage after a fractured pelvis between the legs of a woman with extremely strong thigh muscles. Uh, and that, that's my way to go. That doesn't sound like a bad way to go, actually. No, it doesn't. It would probably be quite painful and drawn out, but still. Yeah. You kind of got to hope they don't sit on your face first, I think. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No foreplay on that one, just straight in. As it were. Absolutely. Yeah. I would. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you say as you were? <laughs> just kidding. As it were, okay. you know. <laughs> So, <laughs> speaking of that, um, so yeah, what about you, Ant? How would you want to go? I don't know. I've uh, ever the entertainer. I've sort of gone for like a comedy angle on all the ones I've thought of. Um, you know, sometimes where a sort of famous painter or artist, say um, Damien Hirst, for example, has created a new work, they will sort of put it in the gallery, and it'll be formally sort of unveiled in front of the public at, you know, a very sort of public time and they have all the press there. I would very much like, I think, to be a unfortunate statistic to autoerotic exfasciation. <laughs> like, but behind the curtain. But nobody, but nobody, like, thought to check behind the curtain before they sort of, <laughs> so then we go, and I give to you Danube in blue. So they pull the curtain and it's just me sort of like with my knob in my hand, just like blue flake just fucking hung myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh my <laughs> but they yeah i don't i either had that or um a, a sort of blatant um plagiarism of um dr strange love actually like jizzing off the side of a bomb after it has already fallen from a plane possibly sort of on the way down before like hitting the earth you could just like ride it like a cowboy and i don't know wearing a cowboy hat yeah, <laughs> yeah <I wouldn't> really... <laughs> it'd be a way to go for sure but, yeah if you're gonna go That's go big much all I've got. yeah <laughs> go big or go home literally yeah yeah that's it. Either that, I don't know, or an unfortunate accident involving like a roadhead accident, but the lady still comes to the funeral. <laughs> <laughs> She's there afterwards, like, hmm, well, this is awkward. Mm. <laughs> uh, that's all I got. I'm sorry. No. Have you got any suggestions there? How would you like to die, Megan, in a sexually related death? Oh, Have you got anything? There's so many options, really. Um, <laughs> I guess I could start with, you know, my immediate response. Um, would be, you know, some kind of, <laughs> I don't know, crazy acrobatic, like, suspension sex accident. But, um, mm. <laughs> A, usually that kind of crazy um, contorted sex isn't really that enjoyable because you're trying to get in the position and it's, it's just not as fun. But then I was thinking, too, you know, if it has to do with suspension, it'd probably not be, like, it'd be a slow way to go, a slow, painful way to Is go. Is that yeah. one? So suspension is one where you have like um like piercings like hooks through your back. Is that the one where you have like hooks through your back and then you're put on ropes and like hoisted in the air? Is that suspension? Or... Um, it it can be for sure. Um, I was even thinking, you know, like 
kind of more, I guess, bondage and suspension. Like, okay. you know, like, like you a sex swing sort of thing. Like you, yeah, like you might have some, you know, a person might have um, leather cuffs attached to them um, and hung suspended in various you ways. Think that'd be that'd be really uncomfortable. That'd be like um, in the biblical days of crucifixion. That's what, wouldn't it? I mean, that's what made me think sort of maybe like suffocate. They would die like over four days, like by oh, no. suffocation, wouldn't they? Yeah, that'd probably be a long, slow way to go. Inconvenient at best. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. So I think my my standard go-to though would be during like a great orgasm, like it's just so intense that it just <laughs> <laughs> you like burst blood vessel in your brain or something. Yeah. <laughs> It was the I was going to say that you kick a glass of water and it goes onto like a power socket and it's fucking fried. <laughs> I wonder if anyone would say like jizzing into a power socket would be their way to go. <laughs> yeah, it's got to hope you haven't got pre-cum because it set it off early. Oh, no. <laughs> there we go. Sorry. That's me done. I'll be here all week. Goodbye. <laughs> the door's that way. Um, no. But yeah. I think definitely. I mean, you'd rather have it be enjoyable than painful, unless you're incredibly, you know, masochistic or something. I don't know. Yeah, I'm going for the massively embarrassing route. I think, but I think I was going to say I noticed yours guy... was like all very public, public sexual deaths. <laughs> I don't know what that says about me in general. I don't know, but um, I don't know. I mean, when you have like a grandchild, when you when they tell you about your great uncle Anthony. They always have a story. It's like, oh, fucking out, right? So, Uncle Anthony, what he did, right, was he went to a gallery when it, everyone had gone home. You know, it'd be like, it'd be a good story to like pass down. You know, <laughs> he got in the rope. He put on a little black dress like David Carradine, and he yanked himself off and died in front of an art exhibition. Yeah, I think that might actually categorize under the. Yeah, we don't really um we don't talk about him. Um... <laughs> It's like being, yeah, it's like being Hitler's cousin, isn't it? Don't bring it up, fucking hell, don't tell anyone. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> Meanwhile, someone's like, well, that's where I get it from. Hmm. <laughs> no. But, um, yeah, now that we have kind of our answers and a good little basis, maybe we should um get to the listener responses. I know we got some from Twitter, um, a couple from Facebook, and we even got a audio clip as well. So, uh, yeah, we'll start with, hopefully I, I always get nervous. I'm going to butcher the Twitter names, but, um, <laughs> we have Rexe Sausages. Rexe Sausages. That's right. He's a, um, frequent, uh, <laughs> contributor to, um, the Pile of Shame podcast. He sent in many a recording. Yes. Good fella. Ah, oh, we should have had him send in a recording for this one. <laughs> I know. Oh, well, but, uh, it looks like he's got two options as well here so he says sex related death on a spaceship my ejaculate acts as a thruster propelled into an open airlock <laughs> it's like the end of aliens or is it no alien no yeah the first alien film yeah the first one <laughs> you can see we're never gonna make it unless <laughs> blast himself through a bulkhead to well, well now either sigourney wave on white panties <laughs> Uh, shut the door quick so I can't see it again. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Flush him into space. There'll be no good now. <laughs> Great submission. Yes, well, and he says, or a Saturday afternoon 
not a Dr. Dan inspired. Strangle wink with a lasso watching a cowboy film. A quick draw with live rounds, if you will. I like it. I like it. <laughs> I like that, Cassidy. that Dan is inspiring yeah. these some of these answers today. <laughs> Me and my group from the show, wasn't it? It did, yes. Unfortunate honesty about um, maybe what you do or don't do on um, <laughs> Saturday and Sundays in the afternoon. A little siesta, as it were. <laughs> Dirty yes. boy. God is watching you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should come on the show more often then if you've had a listen. <laughs> <laughs> so uh who do we have next so mr sob sob bongo burrows uh, he's one of ours as well hello uh tony how you doing tony thanks for uh writing in so tony says that he would like to die by drowning in a bath of custard under penelope cruz and her sisters i can see that yeah be a bit of a struggle but they'd uh, they'd hold you down hmm? i like it mm. and not only that but he says uh the one for me, which I liked, and if I didn't have a sexual death already in mind, I think I probably would have gone with this. Uh, it's uh, for me, cerebral vascular attack in a vat of mashed potatoes hanging out the back of Gwyneth Paltrow. So uh, he's got in as many references to the show as he can there. Thanks, Tony. He's obviously a diligent listener. He knows What's about a cerebral potato. vascular attack? Oh, it's like a stroke, stroke, isn't it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I would. Yeah. Why not? Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah. yeah. Why not? You're like I would. She's still alright. <laughs> Yeah. Your right. body would go on one side first, because that's what the left or the have. right side of your cock. Who knows? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> would, sorry, this made me think. Would the, the way that your cock turns then would that affect which side? Would it bend and twist even more and like get stuck in? Right, there? like if like, it, I you know, know, if it if it bent a little to the right and your left side went first, like would it just go a little further right? Go like right angle. Yeah. Or... I have mm. absolutely no idea. I'd like to hope we that need Gwyneth Paltrow's... Uh, well, I suppose in theory we could test it. Do you want me to call Gwyneth now? <laughs> Let's get Gwyneth on the line. Everybody hold on. Can we add her to the Skype? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me just dig a number out. Yeah. I've got a agent here on speed dial. Gwyneth, <laughs> got a new proposal for you. So, it's in London. Very edgy. Are you in? Yeah. <laughs> I had one sent in um, from the Three Cuckoos podcast um, at Three Cuckoos on Twitter. It would have to be death by boob suffocation. There are definitely worse ways to go. I remember um, on, um, oh, was it one of the Discworld novels? No, the Discworld game, I think it was, where um, sort of the gods were there. And they, um, I think Rincewind, like the main protagonist, actually got sort of enveloped in one of the, the boobs of the gods, where they're sort of like literally a, a thousand feet tall sort of thing, and it was just enveloped by boobs. Yeah, it wouldn't be bad, would it? It'd be, it'd be warm at least. That's all you can say. Yeah. There's, there have been a few, there have certainly been quite a few people who have um, succumbed to um, the sort of BBW death like that, haven't they? Where you get like a little skinny fellow and they get like a big old bird on top of him, like sort of slamming on him with their knockers and they die of suffocation. <laughs> I think it'd be quite serene. It's quite like drowning, isn't it? I think they always say that yeah. that's quite a serene way to go. If, if, when you stop struggling, if you just let it take you, then it's quite a peaceful way. <laughs> breathe in, just taking the boobs into your mouth, then breathe them in, and it will all go very peacefully. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> so we have Tony High, at Mono Tony, uh, and he said, a sex Dalek screeching impregnate seems absolutely terrifying. <laughs> Along with a plunger and or whisk in the rectum. Uh, wow. Um, <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh, that doesn't sound yeah. pleasant at all. 
Not for me, that one. No. Um, no. <laughs> but uh, he's also left us a voice message for later as well, so he really wanted to get in his answers for this one. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so I hear from Facebook as well, we have many a mention. Um, from Marcus, also wrote in, saying um, he would like it sort of like the TV show Sex Sent Me to the ER. It better not be like the lust scene from Seven. I think that was the one... Um, Oh, let's see. The last scene, um, it was like a strap-on, wasn't it? But it was like a knife strap-on. Very nasty business. And um, Kevin Spacey like put a gun to a guy's head and like gave him this knife strap-on and forced him to um, like do a do a prostitute. But yeah, so it better not be like that. That's all he's saying. But um, <laughs> uh, he also like maybe to be like uh, the happiness in what was that? Katakuris. If I'm going, then we're both going. I'm sorry that I I haven't seen the hap- happiness of Katakuris. I don't know what he's talking about. I ha- is it an American thing? I haven't either, I actually. Dan, have you Cat-curus. seen it? <laughs> no, I haven't. I have no idea what it is. All I know is if we're going, then we're both going. Is it not leaving but anybody I behind, I guess, you know? I do. I always go first. Then I go to sleep. Why not? Good night. <laughs> no. <laughs> You're staying here. Oh, no. <laughs> well, then we have Adam T, who responded underneath well he said underneath you meaning underneath me so um <laughs> evidently i have a fan come on mate engage the brain matter uh, uh, engage the gray matter get a decent response going now he's definitely engaging his purple matter there <laughs> <laughs> nice i think we've got a name for the show <laughs> purple matters purple matters <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of some strange Star Trek joke with uh, Captain Picard and uh, who's the gay one? Not in the show, IRL. Wesley? Oh. Uh, okay. um, uh, who's the gay one? Mr. Sulu. Oh, George Takai? From the originals. George Takai, yeah. yeah. Oh my. He'd say. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Dan, we have yeah, another have one. Yes, uh, it's from Facebook, it's from Norman Trousers, and he says, uh, not in my luck, I would get run over by a car which was being driven by a driver getting a blowjob, possibly you, Ant. He goes on to say, that's a sex-related death, right? (laughs) So you're driving this car, someone was giving you a blowjob, you get distracted, you swerve, not only do you hit a lamppost and kill yourself, but you kill Norman Trousers on the way as well. So that's uh, two down. the woman has to go to both funerals. Wow. For the ultimate in awkwardness. Yeah. (laughs) Well, still, she's got dick breath at both. Yes. <laughs> Does anyone have you a imagine? mint? Exactly. <laughs> oh, Dan. Here, I was thinking everyone would be Sorry. approaching her. They'd all know. <laughs> like... mm. I'm... It was you. That's how it happened. Yeah. I'm so sorry for your loss. Do you want to go for a drive and talk about it? <laughs> <laughs> How is your car insurance? No. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. Maybe it's like the new form of, you know, like the, you hear about like the black widows, you know, like they take men out. This one's doing it with blowjobs. Yeah. Blowjobs and automobiles. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. yeah. All right. And then, uh, like I said, Tony has uh, left us a recorded answer as well. Yeah. Hey, Megan. It's Tony from the Salty Language Podcast. Drunk, as required from your guest whose name eludes me right now. But she has her own podcast. With fix. All right, so 
wife and Sightpiece both said, Tony? I'm working on it, Don. <laughs> Somebody's at a party. Wife and Sightpiece say autoerotic asphyxiation if you had to die. Hey. My buddy Don here says that it should be heart attack directly after orgasm, whipped into some sort of meringue of ecstasy. Pretty close to mine. And uh, I could really care less, to be honest. I guess yeah. some sort of fiery mid-orgasm explosion a la Michael Bay. So, uh, I've been drinking a lot today at the lake. It's been awesome. Until next time, I'll see you, Megan. Enjoy. I don't know. I'm giving her a Heineken. Bye. I wanted to get another beer. <laughs> Jizzing onto an electrical plate, which sets off a bomb right in his face. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what a poignant end to everyone involved. Well, Lovely. when it first started about, you know, the fiery death, I was thinking, you know, maybe that could tie in with the car crash as well, maybe. In the end, it all leads back to Roadhead yeah. in the end. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I was about <laughs> to go, have any of you guys ever given Roadhead? But then I was like, wait. Yeah. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> I don't know how it'd work. It doesn't that's one of the, the sort of acts that doesn't go both ways, isn't it? I suppose if a woman's driving you can you can maybe feed the pony, but you can't really sort of get <laughs> yeah. down there, can you like that? No. No, because yeah. if she's driving yeah, to get in between the steering wheel and the Yeah, get down feed the pony. The yeah. that's the thing you and your fancy american cars with your automatic transmission we have clutches we have we all drive stick shifts in this country so there's there's yeah there's no chance of us getting the footwell in this country i'm afraid so women just aren't lucky that way in either way so i guess though then switching it if you don't mind asking (laughs) answering another question have you ever received roadhead not of any sort of quality no um i think the problem is um it's all to do <laughs> it's all to do with like the ride height if you'll excuse the pun um it's more i don't know it's um because we all drive stick shift again i don't know we haven't really got like turnpikes along really super straight roads that we can sort of just cruise like that we we always have corners and hills and that sort of business and um i don't know maybe that's just a lame excuse for me saying no not not that it's ever like to completion no i haven't maybe they've had a bit of a go but I think I'm, I don't know, so focused that I am on the driving that, yeah, I don't think I can follow it through all the way. I don't think, I was going to say, I think I can predict uh, Dan's answer over there, but I'm going to let him go for it. <laughs> Dan, have you ever received Roadhead? Well, the simple answer is no, because I don't drive. I have never even taken a lesson. <laughs> have you ever received Tube Head? I was just about to call <laughs> there. <laughs> That's horrific. I've caught the last tube many a time. In fact, the last tube is usually the most one of the most crowded tubes of the day. You want to get on like the <laughs> penultimate tube. Uh, but no, no, never had any action on the tube either. So, uh... oh, porno movies, you disappoint me with your unre- unrealistic expectations. <laughs> Sorry. No, I think yeah. that is one of those things, though, like, you know, people talk about, but I don't think it's as good in Is it in more reality? like urban myth? And it's just a massive, Im- it's just really impractical, isn't it? I think it just yeah. doesn't really work. I mean, I've done it, but again, yeah, it doesn't really work. It could work, but I mean, it's kind of a forced, I don't know, wouldn't it just be forced? I don't know. I think it's yeah. so contrived, isn't it? That's what it is. I think that's it. You're on the money there, Dan. I think you're right. Yeah. yeah just hop in the fucking back and then you won't have the steering wheel in the way. Just pull over. That's it. And you won't have a gear shift. Like I'll be jacksy while you're trying to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll get in the way. Hmm. 
Yeah, good enough. <laughs> well, as always, I'd like to thank all the listeners for their responses. And for next episode, we're just asking, what's your favorite sexual position? So we'd love to get your either written in or recorded answers. You can send those to screamsandmoans at gmail.com. So thanks again. And with that, we're starting to kind of wrap up and um, get to the end of the show. But um, yeah, so guys... um, where can my guests find you if they want to connect with either the show or you on the internet? I'll take this if you want, Dan. Um, as yeah, I say, we are do. on the Pile of Shame podcast, Pile of Shame PC podcast. You can find us uh, mainly on Twitter at Pile of Shame PC. Individually, however, if you'd like to see our pointed musings, if you will, I am at Lord Antman, and Dan over here is at Not a Doctor Dan. Um, of course, That's you can find one. us in the iTunes. At- yeah, you can find us on iTunes, um, parlashamepodcast.com. We might be going through a bit of a revamp at the moment. We're kind of um, going through things, maybe becoming a bit more general. We're not all about PC gaming over here, as you may yeah. have heard this show. We um, we kind of you know run the uh, the whole gamut of subjects, so we might be looking at branching out. So, um, but no, if you follow at PC, we will keep you abreast of any information of anything new that we are doing. So, uh, yes, that's pretty much us. All right. And I want to thank you guys again for coming on the show. And yeah, if you want to get in touch with Screams and Moans, you can do that on Twitter at Screams and Moans. We also have a Facebook page, which is just the Facebook address slash Screams and Moans. And of course, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, basically any podcatching app. Uh, If you are enjoying the show and you're listening on iTunes, we'd love a five star rating and a little review and if you're listening on stitcher go ahead and give us a big thumbs up uh (laughs) and yeah other than that you can also stream it directly at www.screamsandmoans.com and again thank you guys for taking the time out of your afternoon to come have a chat and uh, thank you pleasure it's been a lot of fun so uh with that everyone have a good night bye 